What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This Haberman and Middlecoff podcast is brought to you by Untucket. Untucket shirts were made specifically to be worn untucked. And you can get yours with 20% off and free shipping at untuckit.com promo code HAM. Guy, you go on a date, you go on a job interview, you just lounging with your boys on a little Saturday day drinking escapades. What do you want to do? Do it with Untuck It because, guy, they the shirts work for everything. I have them. You have them. Button-up shirts, which historically are very difficult to find where they don't hang down to your knees, right? That's where Untuck It comes in. They operate basically like T-shirt length, but they're button-up shirts, really nice, fit perfectly, different sizes for different type people. You have them. I have them. Also have collared shirts, untuckit.com, promo code HAM. God, I love them. Uh, more than 50 fit combinations. They look great if you're tall, if you're short, if you're slim, if you're athletic. I found out athletic is what you used to call when my mom would order clothes from JCPenney. Husky, that was the size she would order for me. Visit untuckit.com and use the promo code HAM, 20% off your first order. Again, untuckit.com, promo code HAM, 20% off, even free shipping and free returns in the U.S. Middle call! Hey, behaves! Do you think promo code ham would steal signs? Uh, within the rules, I think we'd be, I think we'd be open to. I'm we're pro technology, so it'd be like if you see promo code ham up, it's a fastball. If you don't see promo code ham, it's a curve. What do we do for sliders? You're on your own. Take. Yeah. I only swing. Well, it, we only swing at fastballs. Well, you if you don't see anything, you know it's a slider. Is there or is there third pitch? Yeah, but I said that's what curveball was. So I just say we only swing at fastballs. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Hangers, bangers. People, who was the new guy today? The bald guy that spoke? Did you see that? They went viral. He said he wants to beat them up or they um, need to get their ass kicked. Who was it? Oh, was it Markakis? Nick Markakis? It was someone like yeah, that. Yeah, it was yeah, Nick Markakis. Just, 
who, who wants uh, wants like a physical beating, which for, for, you know, as as a frontier justice. <laughs> I, I've heard a little much from Kenny the Dodgers. I, I'm over the Dodgers, but I, I'm I'm open to just every time a new player speaks. Like Justin you, Turner, yeah. you said your piece. But just I, I like new guys chiming in, yep. just and like oh, Marcakis. Yeah, and people are reporting the spring training at different times. So yeah, give me a Mustakis, you know, give me a Hosmer, just give Chris me Chris Bryant. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, here comes uh, the other Seager brother. Like here comes uh, dude from the here comes Donaldson. I, 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 I'm just open to just let it keep on flowing. Uh, don't let it sneak up on you, but the NFL Combine begins this weekend, Sunday, right? Sunday, yeah, they bumped it up. You know that all the uh, the workouts are, I think, Thursday through Sunday. Primetime, guy. Primetime. Primetime meaning what? Like, like I think like 5 to 8. 5 to 8 Pacific. Yeah, I mean, something at night. Like they're not going to be... You remember how they used to be on the weekend where you'd like roll out of bed and you're like, oh, the, the DBs are doing the pedal. Yeah. You know? That was just going to happen at night. No, it's smart. Uh, it's very smart. So we thought we'd go through and Middlecoff will be there. Uh, so we'll do some podcasts from with you from there, uh, and you're gonna. Should we say what? Do you want me to say what you were? Who you might talk well, to? I'm just boots on the ground. I, I might have been uh, texting with the guy that just ho- hoisted the Lombardi. Uh, we'll, we'll just just we'll, a piece we'll be of there metal, and, John, and see what happens, guy, and see what happens. <laughs> right. I just I'll just rub elbows with the people. Um, okay, so except for the Rams and Broncos uh, staffs. Just, you know. Well, I I think McVeigh and Fangio, yeah, they're, they're just not there. bringing any of their yeah, friends. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure all the assistants are like, oh, no, God, please take my eyes, but not the shirt. Yeah, Elway, Elway's like, I get to go out and drink every night. You guys stay at home. So we thought so we'd go fine. through the biggest combine topics and discussions, looking ahead to the weekend that we'll be talking about, that everyone will be talking about when it comes to the Niners and the Raiders. And we decided to flip a coin and also go by standing. So we'll go with the Niners first, John. Um, we haven't talked about what, what we think number the, the biggest discussions will be. I've got a list here. You've got a list there. So let's see if we agree. Um, what do you think? What's going to be the biggest discussion around the Niners at the Combine? Well, I, I think the number one domino for them with Buckner and Kittle are going to get paid. So that's inevitable, whether the numbers leak out or whether the talks leak out, the discussions. like The, the talks are ongoing. I think they've been ongoing over the last – Six months between Parag, John, their representation. To me, the number one domino for the 49ers, and I think it's a good thing, it's just an unknown thing, I, we don't know what they're going to do, is do they sign, tag, and trade Eric Armstead? Because I think they they benefited somewhat from that last year. You can argue you know, the D forward, how well it went. I, I think it went pretty well, just because it was one of the moves that they traded for a guy, and he's clearly good, Right? It's just, can he stay on the field? But there's no, like, ah, they got another Solomon Thomas. Like, he's sweet when he's on the field. Now they got to keep him on the field. But they paid a hefty price for him, right? They, they gave a second-round pick. They paid him a bunch of money. And the other elephant in the room with the Niners guy, it's like, oh, just, you know, when you, like, I was talking to Veach at the Super Bowl. He's like, you know, for the first time in a while, we got a first, we got every, a, a pick every round. A first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. And, you know, for a GM, even if it's for him, it's a shitty pick. You know, it's the last pick in every round. But it's a good thing. You got, you got ammo. If you want to trade back, trade up. The Niners are kind of just, we got a first, which is 31st, which every team will sign up for every year, right? Having a pick at the end of the first round, that means you had a really good season. Clearly, you want the 32nd pick. But if you're like, well, you can't get the 32nd pick, what pick would you want? You choose the 31st. 
or the first. But a first, you might not be the guy picking the player. He might be fired. Right. Uh, so if you get the 31st pick, that means it's a good thing. But as I, you told me this this morning, and I knew it, but I, sometimes you forget. Guy, they don't have a second, third, or fourth round pick. So does Eric Armstead get tagged and traded? I would have said if they had all their picks, or just like, you know, this is a year the Niners have their first, two twos, and a three, that they could figure out, like, just force Armstead to play on the tag, do something like that. I think the lack of picks forces their hand a little bit to almost have to utilize him for some cheap labor and just powerful. If they can get a second round pick for him, you know, earlier in the middle of the round, that's a good, that's a Debo Samuel, right? That's a, think of some of the players, Fred, they got Fred Warren in the third round. They've gotten good players in the second round that I, I think that that, I'll be shocked, guy, if he's on the team next year. Get and, and part of it is just they don't have the picks. They they have to utilize him to get some ammo. That is a great one, John. That is a great one because it combines, not combines. Why is it combined but then combined? It combines the draft and big-time star player movement, um, which makes you it think he, You think he's on topic. the team next year? Um I do think he might be just because I think if you're them, you could justify let's make, let's bring him back and make one more big run before we, I don't want to say reset, but before we start like trying to maximize the value for guys. Um, like let's, let's turn pick 31 into a two and a three. So that's what I had as my number one. But I think what you said is above it because it also involves Eric, which is, is there a player that's good enough to impact them at 31 like a cornerback, or do they go Seahawks and go, yeah, there is a guy at 31, but we can get that level of player at 42 and move back in the draft and pick up a third round as well. We may not know that answer until draft night, but I do think this is a massive week for the 49ers to figure out. We know they can't trade up. Do they look at this class, and maybe this is part of the Armstead thing, do they think, they are, do they think there's a value in having – I mean, there's always a value in having more picks, but do they have anything specifically targeted where they go, you know what, we can replace this production in another way, and to help us do it, we're going to trade Eric. Or do they look at this draft, do they go to the combine and go, well, we don't think there's enough guys out there, we'll move back from 31, use a second, use a third, save some cash that way, and bring Eric Armstead back. But that was my initial kind of big one, is do, is there somebody worth not trading back for for them? Like, Let, let me... Can I read you just the five, 31 through pick 35? Just the five players. I mean, I've talking to people in the NFL. You and I consume a lot of college football. This is a talented draft. 31 They're through, gonna, what was this, like a mock draft or something? Well, I, no, I'm just going to read you the players in 2019 oh. that kind of went in that little area that okay. if you're at 31, that I, I think this year, again, that this is viewed as a highly talented group of players in the top like 50, 60 picks. The Atlanta Falcons at pick 31 took Caleb McGarry, the offensive tackle from Washington, who I can't even pretend to know how he looked this year, but I could I could text people and find out. I don't I would assume he was a starter. Uh, shows you I'm not that locked into the Dan Quinn operation. At 32, the New England Patriots took the wide receiver from Arizona State, Nikhil Harry, which I, I think is getting a, judged a little unfairly. He was banged up. I, I, I I'm still a believer. At pick 33, the Arizona Cardinals took God, Washington had some guys going. Byron Murphy, good corner who I think played pretty well for him. The Colts took Rock Yasin, the corner from Temple, who's a starter, who's going to be just a solid player. 
And the Jaguars at 35 took Juwan Taylor, offensive tackle from Florida, really talented player. And then the next pick was the Niners, Debo Samuel. So I think it shows you in that group, that's a good, that's a talented group of players, right? Juwan Taylor actually was a guy that was supposed to go in like the top 15. He had some character issues. You'd know more. I don't know that much about Caleb McGarry. I like Nikhil Harry a lot. Byron Murphy should be a starter for the next seven, eight years. So I, I, if you get a player of that, if you get Byron Murphy at 31, let's just say the equivalent this year, wouldn't you say whoever that Byron Murphy guy is this year, we'd be like, that's a pretty good pick. That's worth right? not trading back for, yeah. Or Debo Samuel or Caleb McGarry. But I, I, my point is that last year was a good draft. There were a lot of good players going the top, really like two rounds. Uh, I, I think this draft is very similar, ton of good players. So my point is that, did you love taking Nikhil at 32? <clears throat> but this is the thing, guy, when you, it's a little different, I guess, when you don't have other picks, like New England had their second round pick. So you go, well, we're not going to get Nikhil Harry at their second round pick, but we do have a second round pick. So we can fill a need here and then try to do it. Where the Niners, when you fill a need and if you miss, if you stay there and you keep Armstead, you just have no more ammo. Unless you start trading future picks, which I don't love doing. Like, hey, we'll trade you next year's second for your third this year. You know, because it's always a little more expensive to get real-time value. Right. That's where I I think the Armstead curveball, which they would know by the time the draft comes along, to me is the most pressing issue. Like they got to figure out a plan of attack, yeah, but, right? They, yeah, yeah. They don't. They don't want to get stuck in a clowny situation, which I think we would both agree they would never. That wouldn't happen to them, right? Right. They, they're they're going to have. They'll be open minded to either scenario, but they will eventually make a decision on which path to take. Yeah, but I do think part of that equation is: do they view the draft as one that they can get an impact guy at thirty one? Or do they view it like we're going to be trading back into the second? Like, to me, if you're trading 31 back into the second round, then you it's a little less urgent to trade Eric. If you're keeping 31, which is a little more expensive, and you don't have a second, third, or fourth, now maybe that changes the dynamic um, and your willingness to move off from him. Because if I told you that they traded Eric Armstead and they got a team second and third round pick in this draft, I, I, I'm not I'll have to ask around I'm not exactly sure his value because you got to pay nothing but no but you would have to pay him right but haven't we learned the last couple years that if you view a guy as a really good player it's a double whammy yeah it's it's worth doing but it's just you that is part of the consideration now it doesn't necessarily mean you give up less for the guy right like the did the Raider did the uh Browns give up less for Khalil Mack because they were gonna have to pay him I mean maybe that maybe that's why they did that dumb pick swap but I mean dumb for the Raiders not for the Browns Bears. Yeah, Bears. You know what I mean? But y- yeah. I Yeah, I, I think there is precedent the last couple of years, right though. Frank Clark, better player, went for a one. D Ford went for a two and three. Maybe it was a two and it was a three last year, two this year or something. But it was it gets expensive and both Frank Clark got paid. Yeah, that was a weird one. But it wasn't like just Two for D forward in the payment. Remember, it was a little yeah. more. I was like, damn, they gave up a decent amount. Would you, by the way, just playing this but scenario the, out. But the, the thing about the Browns, when they got they got Odell Beckham, who was probably viewed much closer like a Khalil Mack than he was like a Frank Clark or a D forward, they gave up a first, a third, and a player. So I, I'm just saying the last couple of years, there have been a lot of aggressive trades, and they took the salary. 
I, I would be a little more inclined to be like, I think teams will be aggressive if they view Eric Armstead as a really good player. Because he's still relatively young, right? 25, 26 years old. He's so big. I, I, I think his film was so good. Teams, and so many teams run. Guy, he, he'll be 26 the majority of next season. Like he's, You could go, we'll get him as 26, 27, 28 years old. It's basically these, all these contracts, even if they give him five or six years, are a three-year contract. I would imagine there's going to be a lot of love for him. Te- just because how many teams need impact defensive linemen. Yeah. So let's play it out a little further. Is there any scenario where you trade Eric Armstead? Let's say you get a second and a third. Now you've got a first, a second, and a third. Would you consider at that point moving up in the first round with your first and like your third? Or would you say, I, you know I, what? We've figured it out now. We've got a couple picks. We've got a more complete draft. Let's just draft at those positions. I think you just – It's dependent, every, I guess. Everything's on the table. Yeah, okay. Everything's on the table. I, I also wouldn't be opposed to then using that first to – I, I saw on my Twitter timeline today, like, it's getting weird. Stephon Diggs is just tweeting all this random shit. Like, just boom, you get Stephon Diggs. Or whoever, like, that type, you know, boom, you do something. Boom, you get Darius Slay. You know, I, I don't know. You just, I'm not opposed to moving Armstead and then allocating maybe that franchise money that you were okay using him to, you know, to someone else. I think it just gives you options. And that's... Wouldn't you say pretty consistently the last couple of years, like Seattle, New England, are just open to pivot, like left or right? We'll trade back. We'll trade the pick for a player. We'll do this. You just, I, I like having, being there in the ring and being able to throw a left hook or a right hook or like an undercut. And right now the Niners are just, they got one punch they can kind of throw right now. Yeah. And that's where Armstead just enables them. Like, we'll get into the Raiders. The Raiders are pretty, like, they, got, they can do a lot of shit. They got some money. They got multiple first-round picks. They, you just got more options. I think they got five picks in the top 99. This is the balance when you put all your chips in the table, which I, no one could argue with this year, when they got aggressive for Emmanuel Sanders and traded the sec, the third and the fourth pick. Like That was a lot for a guy that's going to be a free agent. Roseman did it two years ago with Golden Tate, and now they won a playoff game, and Golden Tate had like a walk-off touchdown against the Bears. So it was like, you know... It was all worth it for that one playoff win. I'd say Emmanuel Sanders, would you say it was worth it? He won them some yeah. games. He yeah. helped him out. Yep. You, you, you had got a chance to win the, the Super, Super Bowl in part because of him. You got to the Super Bowl. A- any year, if you put, if you Not go just pretty aggressive, you had a you chance to win the Super Bowl because he was running open down the <laughs> middle of the field. Yeah, you ran the route to him when the game was on the line. You're right. It was worth Without him, who's running that route? Do they call that play? Probably not. Dante right? Pettis. Well, that to me would be like some little things. Like, do they do they unload Solomon or Dante Pettis just for like a seventh round pick? Wouldn't you, would you be shocked if like the Niners are shopping Dante Pettis and Solomon Thomas? They're willing to give these guys away. I mean, are you like if so, but if you're looking at Solomon Thomas going, hey, we've got a guy that rotates in on the defensive line. We know what we're getting out of him. What's the is value it, is of giving ex- him away? Is, is expensive though. I know, you but know. what's his? We'd have to start driving in the dead cap stuff here. Well, someone someone hit me on DMs and were like, what do you think about picking up the fifth-year option on Solomon Thomas? Remember, they did it with Eric Armstead. I'd be like, well, Eric Armstead, if you walk by him at practice, just looks completely different than Solomon Thomas. So if you are going to take a swing, I'm taking a swing on the 6'7", 290-pound freak athlete that's underachiever, then the guy that's the overachiever, smaller guy. There is zero chance that they pick up his fifth-year option. 
Is that fair to say? That is uh, fair to say, yes. I, I do think Dante Pettis can be given away. Like, clearly, they don't going to use him. So many teams need wide receivers that you could just pawn him off for a conditional sixth or seventh. I would be I will be a little surprised if Dante Pettis is back on the team. Solomon Thomas, we'd have to dive into the money. It's a little more expensive. So um, his base salary this year in his fourth year is seven hundred thirty five thousand signing bonus, roster bonus, cap hit. So his cap hit is eight point nine million. His cap hit is eight point nine. His dead cap is four point six. That'll be hard to trade. Who wants Solomon Thomas as a what did you say his cap hit is? Eight point nine. Ooh. That that might as well just be hashtag untradeable. Yeah, ne- never mind. Take that back. You're just gonna play out this year and then let him walk. Uh, he better, you know, he's smart. He's Stanford guy. I hate Solomon. I'd save some money. Uh, I think he'll be fine. I do too. But these, he'll never see a paycheck like that again. All right, John. What about the Raiders? Combine questions, discussions for the Raiders. What would you imagine the number one topic? And probably potentially the first, maybe maybe gets a softball as his first question when he stands up at the podium. But I'd imagine the, the the elephant in the room with the story that's out there is coming fucking fast and furious from someone because it's not just the local beat writers. The, all these uh, every single press conference on is on Tuesday. They they usually spread them out between two days and it's just sporadic. They're all on Tuesday between like eleven and five, just rat a tat tat. So if you're just the other the Steeler beat writer, you'd probably just work over. And you know beat writers, they like asking questions. If you're Tom Kern, where do you think Tom Kern's going to end up when John Gruden talks? I think that it's just going to be this Brady conversation. I'm I'm a little interested in just hear his response. Like, do they just, does he give a generic, like, we're open to everything? Does he give kind of double down? No, Derek's our guy. Or just, you know, Tom's a great player. You'd be stupid not to. I I'm not sure, guy, I, but I think that their number one question at the Combine revolves around Carr, but really starts with Tom Brady and how aggressive. Like, by the end of next week, do we have the Raiders have gone full court press on Don Yee and Tom? Because I, I would lean that's kind of that. Yeah. Uh, no, you're, I, you're right in terms of that being the story. I mean, I don't know if they... I don't think you can full court press Tom Brady and Don Yee unless they're inviting you to press them. You know what I mean? I, when I when I say full court press, I'm just saying like put some numbers on the table. Maybe it started at 30, and they go, listen, if you go up an extra 10, you get it to 35 a year, fully guaranteed for two. We'll do more than listen. Like you you got a chance where they think they got a chance. But I, as, I wouldn't. But be, as Tom Curran wrote, is throwing the most money at Tom going to be the thing that gives you a chance here? No, but we don't know Bill's response. Like, we haven't heard Bill exactly say, I'm in love. Like, what if Bill goes, yeah, we'll bring you back for $17 million, and the Raiders are giving him $70 million. We are dealing with humans here. Yeah, yeah. I guess, and here, here's two other curveballs, guy. This is Someone tweeted this at me, but TJ Husmanzada is tight with Alex Guerrero. He's adamant that Tom Brady's not coming back. And Jeff Darlington... <laughs> Is tight with Brady's manager. He's another guy that's been on the record that feels pretty confident that Brady's not going to come back. I, I I don't know. I don't think clearly we don't know, and I, most people don't know. But there are people with some connections that kind of feel like he might not get back. And I I just think if if it starts getting out by like Tuesday or Wednesday, like you know what, Tom's not really feeling. 
there's some things that Tom's not on the same page with them about. That's where the Raiders can kind of like get a little more aggressive. Because I've heard from credible people, this is not fake. Obviously, the, the Schefter tweet and the Larry Fitzgerald Sr. tweet. But this is, this is going to be the biggest story at the Combine, non-college players, right? I mean, it's the biggest story in the NFL, where Tom Brady's going to go. Yeah. But with them specifically, because they're going to be the team that's moving with Gruden and the numbers are already out there. So the other element to them being open-minded on a quarterback is, for me, for the Combine, for the Raiders, is just, and this is maybe partly an inter- this is like maybe more of a discussion between Mayock and Gruden than it is the number one media story, but they have the 12th and 19th picks. And that's, if they sit there and go, boy, we really like one of these quarterbacks, that's pretty good ammunition because you're going to have to get probably into the top six to take whoever's left over after the number, you know, either we'll just assume it's Herbert or Tua. And we know that John liked Kyler last year. And we know that maybe you can, you know, there are injury concerns with Tua. So, like, I think that's one of the big discussions. Now, they're not going to get to see Tua out there running around, but they are going to get to talk to him, right? Yeah. So, uh, when there's a meeting, like if the Raiders use a meeting for Tua, Tonga Valoa! Um, that was my Eli Gold. They definitely have the ammo to get in a position to have a chance to draft him if they want to. What's a better deal? If you're the Lions at three, trade back to six and get next year's Chargers one. But I think you'd be telling yourself, well, they could be pretty good with a rookie quarterback, right? They, they could easily be a playoff team just because their roster is so stacked. Or the Raiders go like this. We'll give you for three, 12, 19, and like next year's two or something. Where if you're Patricia, you're like, well, we could, or even like 12, 13, and a third where we're in position to go get Herbert or whoever, and then we can use, you know, if we trade Derek right now, again, it, the, the timeline would be a little weird, but I, I think you could make a deal like right now because we've seen it happen before. Remember when the Jets traded up to yeah, three way before the draft where you could go, hey, we'll give you the Bears, our pick swap in 12 and 19 and trade Derek to get like back a two right now so we're not totally out, and then boom, we got Herbert or Tua the Raiders aren't like you said they they just they have a pitch that most but only the Dolphins have the reason not to do it if you're the Raiders right would be you're telegraphing your pitch the reason to do it would be now you've got that pick but if you are in the top three you're guaranteed one of the three yeah if you're in the top three because remember when the Jets did it okay I got you um so the question was if would you from the Lions perspective sorry I was thinking about the Chargers pick at six uh which pick would I take if I'm the Lions I mean to me, the problem from the Lions' perspective is if they're trading the pick, it's because they're not drafting a quarterback. Which, which means, they've been pretty adamant they're not. Which means they're trying to win right now. Which so means wouldn't 12 and 19 help you? It would, but are you getting like, do you think you can get a blue chip guy at six that you can't get at 12 or 19? Or do you have to stay at three to get the blue chip guy? Wouldn't you wouldn't you uh, kind of subscribe to the thought process of like anytime you get more swings? Like look at the Raiders yeah. as an example last year. Josh Jacobs was their best pick. The Cleveland Farrell at four was their worst. And Abram, who knows, but he would have been better than Farrell. Right. Like you can still get re- like at twelve and nineteen, you'd feel pretty good about getting two starters. Yeah. Henry, you can get I, Henry Ruggs I, I, and. Yeah, I think twelve and nineteen, if they I think wanted a, to do it, yeah. would get them. Especially to think if you throw hard. on a third. Yeah. Or even throwing a player. 
I don't know who the player would be, but I'm just saying, like, just someone that they could use. That's where that little extra player, like the Jabril Peppers for the Odell Beckham, like you just de- – is there a guy you liked on our team that we've drafted in the last couple of years? We'll give him to you. Uh, not really. <laughs> no. Can we get Jacobs? No, you can't have him. Waller? No. Crosby? Okay. <laughs> we got three untouchables. Waller, Crosby, and Josh. If you're the Raiders and and the uh, they would and the Lions said we want 12, 19, and Cleveland Furl. Guy, you would do that so fast your head would spin. <laughs> uh, the irony, right, is like last year you wouldn't have had you just like you're going to give us that pick number. That's why the picks. But once you draft a player, it's the value of trading it is just so different. Well, it's like that's the big deal in the NBA. Like, trading a first-round pick, it's like, whatever. And then you know after the fact. You're like, whoa, you got Jimmer Fredette? Or, oh, my God, that could have been Clay Thompson. You know? It's just once you know the player. Right. Definitely in the NFL. Like, the Raiders have picked 4, 27, and 24. You're like, the most valuable pick by far. Four trumps, like, both the other picks before the draft. And then midseason, you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> Josh Jacobs is worth every other pick in the draft for them. So, yeah, you just got to strike where the iron's hot. That's where I do think the value for the Lions, if they wanted to do this, and, again, their curveball is they could get value immediately for Derek. Kind of like the Niners with Armstead where you just add a pick that way. A good pick. Second-round pick. Are you trading the Bears and get your second-round pick back? I saw the Athletic... I think did a story on like potential trades in March, and that was just one of them. Yeah, the dominoes with them yeah. kind of go. So you just, just got to keep an eye on it. Anything else that could be the Raiders? No, I mean, to me, the other discussion around them would just be like, hey, they got to maximize. This is a less specific. You got to just find a way to maximize those picks, even if you keep them. Unlike like you can't have the Cleveland Furl thing happen again. You got to take better players than him. But you know they did that later in the draft. Um. Maybe it works. Maybe they do their best work outside of the top ten. Yeah, maybe like a guy that shoots better from further away from the basket. Yeah, he's just like James Harden there. would rather take the three than the eight footer to win the All Star game. <laughs> Why did he pass that ball? Not, John, here's the thing. Not only did he pass the ball, I went back and watched it a couple more times yesterday. He takes a step like both defenders rush the other direction. If he just immediately breaks towards the basket. The little pass goes over the top, and he he lays it up. But he takes a step towards where the defenders are, towards the three-point line, then gets the pass, and now it's allowed the other defenders to recover and close off the rim to him. It's really weird. Yeah, you are, you are giving him too much credit by saying defenders. You're acting like it's Embiid and Giannis. It was Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker. I've seen – I know he's not Mr. Explosive Dunker – James can dunk. Why wouldn't he have just dunked the fucking ball? Or drawn the foul. Just go to the basket and draw the foul. On Kemba's face. Not to make this an NBA tangent, do you think one rule moving forward, I heard Embiid say this, you're not allowed to win it on a free throw. You know what? that's not the way. Everyone, I didn't mind that at all, especially because he missed the first free throw. He claimed he missed it on purpose. Do you believe him? No. I don't either. I I guess it's been suggested for that... um, the uh, Elam ending that that free throws subtract a point from the opponent in that scenario, which is an interesting thought, right? Yeah, don't don't is that okay Elam's 
Is that his idea? I think that's like his addendum. Like they've had that after they've watched it play out in the TBT. They're like, well, what if we did this where you subtract a point from the opponent? Who is this Elam character? It's a professor. Oh, oh, he's a oh, it's like an it's an analytic economics type thought process. Yeah. Oh, I just thought he was like some dude on Twitter that somehow got into the NBA front office. No, he's a, he's sense. a professor, and and the basketball tournament, you know, the TBT uses this format. Gotcha. The one that uh, did Dolich? Yeah. Uh, invest in that? Or is that the other one? There's two, right? There's TBT, and then uh, there's like you're asking the wrong guy. Maybe that is the one. Yeah, I think that's the one. B- b- yeah, big Dolich. three. Yeah, not. Yeah, you're right. So maybe it's the maybe that is Dolich's one. So, John, this podcast is brought to all of you in part by Simply Safe. Every night, you've heard me say it, local police departments across America, they get hundreds, John, they get thousands probably, let's say hundreds, of calls from burglar alarms. The vast majority of the time, they don't know if it's real. They don't know if there's a crime going on or just some bullshit happening. All the alarm company knows is somebody's motion sensor went off. With Simply Safe Home Security, it's different. If there's a break-in, Simply Safe has real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. Guys, simplysafe.com slash ham is here to protect me, here to protect you, mm. and all of our listeners. Anyone can do it. It takes 30 minutes to an hour tops, and there's absolutely no trade-offs to your safety. You'll have an army of highly trained security experts ready to fast police to your home at a moment's notice, 24-7 guy, and it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. It's why The Verge calls Simply Safe S-I-M-P-L-I, safe, the best home security system. Go to simplysafe.com slash ham today and you'll get a free shipping and 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go now to, so they know we sent you. Simplysafe.com slash ham. That's simplysafe.com slash ham. All right. Um, outside of the Raves and Niners, it's a, it has the potential to be a pretty polarizing quarterback combine, even though guys aren't throwing. But what's interesting is everybody's got a pretty big question about them, and two of them are not, are they good quarterbacks, right? Like, the two biggest questions about Tua and Herbert, I I guess you could argue the Herbert question is, is he a great quarterback? Tua, people, it's clear he's a great college quarterback, but there's just, people really want to do the interviews with Herbert, whether you call that the number one question or not. People just want to see Tua, I would imagine, in person. Yeah. I mean, he's had, wouldn't you say he's got one of the bigger major injuries a quarterback's had in the last recent memory coming into a draft that was viewed as a top five pick? Huge. Yeah, he broke his hip. Yeah. I mean, it's, and beyond it's that, unheard of. And, and Almondo Salguero wrote this. And there was like, there's like quotes from, uh, what's his name? The Dolphins owner, um, the Michigan man, Jeffrey Ross. Uh, Jeffrey, J- yeah, uh, Stephen Ross. Stephen Ross, yeah, Jeffrey Ross, the yeah. roast master. <laughs> yeah. Who he roasted, uh, uh, the NBA on the TNT guy's pretty good the other night. I have to check that out. Kill, just annihilated Kenny Smith. He said Kenny Smith would be the name that the fake name that Charles Barkley gives the police when he gets pulled over. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, other than it's just funny. Um, That's a pretty good one. But even he's been on the record as saying, "Yeah, you know, it's not just the hip. Like two has just been hurt a lot, and it's true. He has just been hurt. Like there is a concern about whether he stays healthy in the NFL." So uh, I, I I don't know. Is there going to be a story like, you know, three? I talked to three evaluators who think Joe Burrow's overrated. I don't know if that story's coming, but there's just a lot of possibilities with these three guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Tua injury is just, it's really one of the great unknowns for teams, fans. Like, I don't think anyone feels that confident talking about it, right? Remember when Gurley came out with the ACL and people were like, well, it's just an ACL. He'll be fine. And then he went 10. 
Now, it ended up coming back to bite him in the ass because he's got arthritis, but it was just ACLs, broken arms, shit like that. The number one thing you're talking about in a draft meeting, once you get a guy that's really good, like Tua, now he would be a little polarizing because he's a little smaller, are just injuries. They, they just come up, and they're just talked about all the time. I think Burrow is Burrow's another just polarizing conference. He was a one-year wonder. And then Herbert, there are some parallels with Mariota and just the personality. Now, did Mariota fail with the Titans because of his personality or because of his talent? Talent. So th- that usually gets overlooked. I do, though, believe... I've been thinking a lot about this guy. Hmm. Is there a chance he went to the Senior Bowl, Senior Bowl MVP, and all the GMs are there, and he's just throwing BBs and just 100-mile-an-hour fastballs? He goes to the Combine. Let's say he just he's come out of his shell a little bit. He interviews well, throwing BBs, 100-mile-an-hour fastballs. When he walks in the room, he's enormous. So when, when you know, I'm trying to think of the coach's name, uh, Flores, uh, Brian, uh, Zach, Zach Taylor, what other teams are we looking at here? And uh, Anthony Lynn, when they meet this guy, he's going to look the part. Is it crazy to think when Matt all Patricia? the dust settles? Yeah. That, I, but hear, hear me out. He goes number one overall? Well, it's not crazy if they like him and Burrow's talking. Like, Burrow's already saying things like, "I not already, it's taken a while for him to get to this point. But he said, I've got leverage. They have their process and I have mine. We haven't even got to the combine yet. There's a lot of things that have to happen leading up to the draft, a lot of information gathered. I think a lot's changed since like those guys pulled that shit, though, even 15 years ago or when Eli did. Not, I'm not even talking well, Elway. I'm talking like 17, 16 no, I years don't, ago. I don't think so. I mean, I think the only thing that makes this unique is that the Bengals have proven, like you pointed out a while ago when we talked about this with Carson Palmer, they will just let a guy rot at home. So that, I, what do you think has changed? But I'm saying... By the way, I, goes, just, I, I just read that bro quote to say like, hey, I'm not positive that I'm going to just let the Bengals draft me. Sorry, go ahead. I, I guess my point is that when they let Carson Palmer ride at home, he'd already played a lot for him. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was kind of a personal relationship that had gone sour. Where when a guy goes, I refuse to play for you, it's easy to kind of double down. And if you look back at the Eli Roethlisberger Rivers draft that I think if you were the Chargers, you're like, well, there's all these other options. Kind of like here, you're like, we can get Herbert if Herbert will play for us. Maybe we think Herbert's better, right? What if we think in our situation, in a, in a cold weather, Cincinnati gets cold in November, December, the Ravens freezing cold, the Browns freezing cold, Steelers freezing cold, no domes. So you are playing, what would you, I bet if we did a study the last 20 years on average past November, what are they playing out of the eight, you know, second half, of the games, five to six of them are in cold weather. You know, three or four at home and then a couple divisional games. Mm-hmm. Like you're just playing outside. So you go, you know what? We If it's close to being equal, let's fuck the headache and let's just take the other guy. That That's where I do think it could work to Herbert's, excuse me, Burrow's advantage if he doesn't want to go there. Then I don't think Mike Brown has to get into this pissing contest with him where he can just take the other guy and make a smoother transition and not even let it take off. So they, couldn't they just go, if, if, if Burrow draws a line in the sand, which I, I think is a possibility, that you eventually turn it into in like the next three weeks, like we're going to take Herbert anyway. And then it kind of goes away. Um, not goes away, but... So if I were him, I would really consider doing it. But I'd be surprised if we get to a point where the Bengals are voluntarily not taking him. 
Because at the end of the day, his college year, John, is so absurdly superior, not just to Herbert's, but to everybody else's at the highest level. I mean, when does a guy that people view as a prospect, like with the physical traits, lead a blue-chip program to incredible success, and his numbers are eye-popping, and people instead choose a guy who is a little more physically gifted but had way less success by every measure. Still had a pretty success. I won the Rose Bowl and no, kind of yeah, single-handedly no did it. No doubt. Running, running. No doubt. It's not even about... Running, yeah. Well, his receiver Burrow's sucks. Number, yeah. No, look, we could pick apart. Burrow's got, like, superstar receivers everywhere. You this, could pick this it is apart. Draft room talk, this is draft room talk, guy. But what I would say, no doubt, because the context matters more than just the raw numbers. Numbers can be inflated, uh, uh, all that shit. But, John, his numbers uh, are so much bigger. I think physical characteristics, though. Let's just start, talk arm strength. Okay. And let's put it in the... Uh, in the realm of pitchers. So I think if you're listening, you can kind of like, if Joe Burrow was a pitcher, what would he throw? Uh, 91. Okay. If Herbert was a pitcher, what would he throw? Well, he was a pitcher, uh, but he would throw like 98. I'd say that's like, obviously, big I difference. think Burrow's a good athlete. Yeah, do I'd say agree, that's Do you agree pretty, with those numbers? That's fucking massive. Yeah, I think the it's that, like it's a... Uh, there's a gap, you know, like 97 to 92. It's, it's, it's way different. For sure. But, I, but wouldn't you say, too, like Herbert, uh, excuse me, Burrow, it's not 91 in high school, and we're not quite sure how it translates. Like, we watched him throw 91 against, like, other big leaguers in the Cape and was dominating well, them. If you're the SEC school and you're, and you're pounding the table to Mike Brown, like, we got to have this guy. My counter, if I'm the West Coast guy, is – Definitely for both these guys, but if it's just between, I'd say if they were going to choose, it would be Herbert and uh, and and Burrow. Not and Tua wouldn't be in their conversation just because he also factors in lesser of an arm guy, more accuracy, and he's injured. I think it would be easier for them to put those two guys in a box. It would go well. He's played with Jefferson, which is probably going to be a top thirty-two pick. Chase, who everyone in the league says. On his worst days, better than Jefferson. I get that Chase kid is going to be a top ten pick next year. Randy Moss's random kid that I didn't even know existed until this year. The tight end. Yeah, it's going to go in the mid rounds. His running back's a third round pick. Is he a tight end or is he just a big receiver? Yeah, he's kind of like a hybrid. I think he's considered a tight end, but I don't know if he has. Hell, he might. He might be one of those like, how did Randy Moss's kid not get drafted? Because it's like, what is his position? But. That's the argument, like all these NFL guys. And same, and same with Tua, where it's like Herbert, that's what kind of makes his 32-6 and six and winning the Rose Bowl. Like, how many NFL skill guys is he playing with, guy? Running backs, none. Why, you know, I don't know the wide receivers, but everyone that kept tweeting about him didn't yeah. act like he's not playing with no. any. Like, it's actually pretty impressive. I, I, I think there was just an argument. And I, I'm not the biggest Herbert guy. He grew on me as the season went on. But I, I think there are going to be some people like this is how the NFL works is the physical traits. Like he throws 98 guy. He's fucking six, five. He can run like a gazelle, high character, straight A student. His he's come out of a shell. He's more assertive. It's like, is, is this guy only scratching the surface? Right. Which like, how does Joe Burrow ever do that again? He never does. I, I agree. It's, I just think, I, I guess I, the- I think her, I think Herbert is going to be one of those. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he ends up going number one overall. I'm not saying I think that's going to happen, 
But I, I just think the curveball of Burrow going, I'm not coming there, and them maybe really liking this guy, I think he blew people away at the Senior Bowl when they actually got to see him live. You, so, you, look, you've been in the scouting meetings. Uh, the whole argument I gave you on Burrow was not – you said you're in the scouting room. That argument, I'm guessing, you tell me, the argument about his numbers isn't really a big part of the argument once you get into the draft debate. To me, that what that represents, though, is are you – you're going out on a pretty big limb from a public perception standpoint. Are the Bengals willing to take that level of a risk? Because if you draft Burrow and it fails, I don't know that you're really getting that much blame. Like people at least would understand why you did it. You draft Herbert and Burrow becomes the bet by far the best quarterback of the two. That's going to go down as an all time draft mistake. Give you, give you another curveball. Now, Burrow's better than Andy Dalton, so don't. I'm not trying to compare the two. But they just had experience with really good teams with a quarterback who was physically somewhat limited, and they go, God, if we would have had the Carson Palmer type guy with these teams, maybe we would have been to some championship games, right? That I, I just, they have experience with a guy, and they, they've also had experience with guys telling them, kind of like trying to dictate their terms. And like you said, they are weird enough to be like, screw you. I, I just wonder if it's an easy one to avoid it if if in their draft room it's close. But he, I agree with you. Like the Just touchdowns don't mean anything. Because forever, the air raid guys always had these big numbers. I would say, though, his touchdown passes are like on the run, 40-yard bombs, hitting guys in stride. They, they look pretty sweet, right, a lot of them. Right. Like you could do a cut-up tape on Joe Burrow. You know, 30 of those 60 are not quick-screen touchdowns. Like, he's throwing beautiful passes. He's a, he's a big-time prospect. I mean, I'm not trying to diminish him at all. He's, he, could, he should probably go one, just because in this year alone. I, I just think that Herbert does have some unique traits, and I think we see often in basketball, football, and baseball, if you go, well, this guy's coming from a blue-chip program, he physically is the most superior of the three. He checks a lot of boxes. Like he's won, he's produced with not as much talent. I, I do. I, my point is, I think you could talk yourself into there. I actually think that it kind of might start snowballing that way. That's just a prediction I have. No one's even told me that. I, I just and I've never been the biggest Herbert guy. I could just, I, I just know this shit. It happened with Josh Allen to a lesser extent, and he wasn't anywhere near. The, the the product at the same point that this guy is. If Herbert. If Josh Allen Herbert. had been Herbert if yeah. Josh Allen had, had Herbert's tape, does he go number one overall to Dorsey? Probably, right? If Josh Allen had Herbert's tape. Uh guy's guy throwing dimes, winning Rose Bowls. Yeah, I mean, but I do Baker. think part of Herbert's tape is an inconsistency throwing the football, John. That's part of that's where I with Burrow, it's like that is well, not that, part of that his guy, tape. That, well, that guy went seven. My, that's my point. That guy went seven, no, and his tape was an abomination. It was. But I'm just saying, like, there is, to me, a difference in the tape between Burrow and Herbert when it comes to throwing the ball consistently. I, I think the one it's thing— not like, casu- It's not like Herbert was j- simply just less productive. I think the casual person puts in a lot of stock— into numbers and winning where I think teams put more stock into the vacuum of the talents and the, and the, how it translates in, in all three sports, but like Ben Simmons, you know, who didn't give a shit about him not making the tournament or winning any games at LSU, the entire NBA. Now you're right. If there had been another Ben Simmons at LSU, they just would have taken that guy. It's just because it's easier. Like you said, public perception, 
no one red flags you if you take Burrow. It's like, of course, <laughs> right? The, the Herbert thing would be, it's safe to say, pretty controversial or just very bold. Uh, you no, know, it would be controversial and bold. But it's not like Burrow's going to fall. He'd go two. He'd go two or three. It would create. Yeah. Well, then if you're the, what high. if you're the Lions, you go whoa. If you had to guess right now, do three quarterbacks go in the top five? Uh, yeah. Percent chance they go one, two, three. Uh, that means Chase Young goes fourth. I think somebody's going to look at Chase Young and go, you know, we could trade back and not get Chase Young, but. Getting Chase Young is like getting Nick Bosa, and that's not worth trading back for. So I don't yeah, think like, they go one, two, three. Because I think the in the last three or four years, there's Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, Miles Garrett. When you go, well, if we can get that, didn't we just stay here and get that instead of overthinking yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Isn't that better than overthinking it and missing? Yes. Just let's just yeah, you're right. I, okay, fair question though. W- w- how about this? Hmm. Three guys go in the top four. These guys are gonna go really high. I think. I I, can't, I I don't think the Chargers are going to be able to get one of the three of them at six. I I, I, feel I agree with you that. there. Like I think they would have to move uh, up uh, unless unless like some stories come out that like Tua has a hip and a heart murmur. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. There's always a heart murmur guy. There, right? there is. There is. <laughs> it's true. It's like oh my god, this guy's got a heart murmur. He had to leave the combine. You're like what? And then it's like, takes a couple days, rap sheet's like, there's a lot of inconsistencies. We don't quite know what's going on. His doctors are and, saying it's nothing. He, it's and indigestion. Then, and then, yeah, and then his agent in two weeks will be like, he was dehydrated. Yeah. They didn't feed him. He's a 300-pound man. <laughs> and then he's going to have a you know a 13-year career. And, the, and like the Eagles get him at 20 because he had a heart murmur. All right, headline time, John. There's a lot of headlines today. I mean, there a are. lot. What do you want to start Rap- with? You rapid fire? Yeah. You want to go controversy? Yeah, it's hard to go contro- It's hard to go rapid fire with some of these, <laughs> but let's start with Aubrey Huff. Yeah, start with Aubrey Huff. Aubrey Huff, disinvited from the 2010 uh, ceremony this year. My overall take is this. This isn't a political statement. Because the the Giants, you could rename the 2010 team the San Francisco GOPs. Bruce Bochy, right winger. Posey, Kane, Bumgarner, the core of their team politically. Like, it ain't, they ain't even hiding it. We know where they fall. Especially the manager. To me, this is, they don't like this guy. And he said countless things non-politically. Ripped the women coach. Just ripped Pablo. Just said, talked a lot of shit over the top. They just do not like him. So I saw Bags tweet, it would have been Monday night. He's like, I talked to a Giants official. They're adamant this is not a political thing. Like, I agree. Their their owner donates. Like, I'm not saying that doesn't add a little bit, but I think it's the over top talking a lot of yes. shit. A lot of their players don't like him. Like, if, if this was like, you took support Trump, like, Bochy wouldn't be allowed I, to show I, Yeah, up. I think if the, the Giants' only way out of this being a controversy, because... The problem is that this is kind of what Huff wants, right? And Aubrey is now taking advantage of it and making it political and tagging Trump in tweets. The Giants only, if they feel like fighting that fight, is to say it turns out 90% of the 2010 team voted for Donald Trump, and then that would end that part of the argument. But they don't even want to go down that road, and of course you don't want to go down that road. Um, but this is what I always say to people, John, and I'm not the first one that's 
there is freedom of speech. Freedom of speech does not mean freedom of consequences for the things you say that offend people if reasonable people can find some of the things offensive. And I think it's reasonable to look at some of what Aubrey has tweeted and call it misogynistic lightly. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I saw Pablo had a quote. Like, I think he said, I'm not mad about him not being here. Is Pat Burrell going to stand up and go, man, I'm not showing up unless Aubrey does, right? Probably not. So, yeah, like, I... I, Well, I think Pablo's quote was like, this guy talked a lot of shit about me when I left. So, like, I don't even like the guy. Yeah, this is not that complicated. Obviously, to some degree, I think you give people what they want uh, when you make them a martyr. And so Aubrey will play that game. And we know Aubrey, but uh, yeah, this is, I think this is pretty easily not political, even if it gets politicized. He unfollowed me on Twitter long ago. Oh, did he? Yeah. He follow you still? Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, okay. Hasn't how about I got, lately. I got another one. The A's no longer will be found on terrestrial radio in the greater Bay Area. I guess they're staying with Sacramento Cage. Not following me anymore. Not, not following me either, so he hates both of us. Uh, the A's going no radio, and a lot of people are kind of crushing the move. Personally, let's get a couple realities out. People didn't really listen to them on radio, so it's not that crazy of a move. Now, in 2020, we're not. this isn't seven years from now, but we are five to seven years away from the Yankees and Giants and the, to me, the Warriors probably doing this in three or four years. Like the streaming, we're never going back to like, isn't it crazy that that stretch of seven years of streaming that we did and, and podcasts and Netflix? Like, no, guys, like this is the future. This is the way it goes. And we're, we're 10 years away from having 20 years of cars on the road that immediately you just press a button and click your Bluetooth. Like radios aren't going to exist. I have a radio in my house. It's called Alexa. I tell her what to play. This is a. This is now. You choose the menu of what you want to listen to. That's where it's heading. So I. I, I think they were forced into this somewhat, but I, I. I think it's the right move long term, and I think a lot more teams will follow suit. Now the big boys, the Cubs, the Giants, the Yankees, the Phillies, the Red Sox, they will be the last to do it, but they will do it one day. Yeah, and and it might be as simple as they're doing it simultaneously. Right, you're not. To me, when you're one of these major organizations, when you're the Giants, when the Yankees, you are getting paid by a radio station for the right to carry your games. So as long as there's one person listening to the radio, fine. We will let somebody pay us to carry our games on radio. $700 a year? No, more. (laughs) Um, So uh, I think sometimes when you are the leader of an industry, you can make the adjustments that change an industry, right? You are Apple. You dominate the smartphone industry. You eliminate the headphone jack from your phone and the industry follows. Or you're on the other end of the spectrum. You're so nimble because, you know what? We don't have a lot of radio listeners, so F it. Let's just do something different and try to be on the cutting edge from another side. I think those are the two spots where you usually get somebody out on the cutting edge. Somebody who's at a competitive disadvantage or somebody who is dominating the market to a point where the market will follow them. And obviously the A's are not in Apple's position, but they are in a position to try and do something differently. Now, would they be doing this if someone was paying them $500,000 a year for the radio right? No, of course not. But that's not what the situation is. So I give them credit for being willing to jump out. They were the first ones to have a dedicated tune-in channel. Um, And I think in many ways, baseball, I think they were the only ones to do it, actually. I think there were some teams that had some... Like mark, there were some market issues that didn't allow everybody to do what they did last year with their Ace Cast stuff. So, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I I don't really see how you can knock it because, like you said, were, was anyone listening to KTRB? No. I didn't know. I honestly okay. don't. I am a radio guy. I love listening to the A's. I don't. I didn't know where that was. It's completely so, agree. I haven't listened to an A's game since they left the other state. And I know this. I ripped. I <laughs> now it died, so it's not exactly the same thing. But did a little house cleaning about a month ago, and the radio that was sitting in the living room is gone. Yeah, and it won't come. You're not going to go buy another one, right? No, I might buy some. I might. I was thinking, you know, get some speakers that you know, like the home Sono system or something like that. But you would connect that to your phone. That's correct. Yeah, right. So that's well. Here's another one. The I TV like ratings. I like awful reacting to your headlines. Awful announcing yeah. came out with television ratings for the NBA locally. They were beyond ugly. I was DMing with Strauss like probably less than a month ago. And he was telling me, like, because we, we always go back and forth. He loves this topic, and I love it, too. And just, like, it's way uglier than the NBA wants it out right now. The local ratings, I think over a third of the league is not registering a one. And we talk a lot about NFL ratings, the Niners this year consistently. Now, football's different because there's only one game a week. But we're doing, like, 20 pluses. And the Warriors, who have been kind of the league's cash cow, locally were doing eight to tens during the run. They're down dramatically, 68%. They're still doing about a four, a little under a four, which is really good. They are going to come storming back next year. Now, the rest of the league, I think here's the problem if you're silver. You have major markets. Chicago, nobody's watching. Team sucks. Both New York teams, obviously KD's not playing, but Kevin's out. Nobody's watching. The Suns, the T-Wolves, nobody watches these games, guy. And it's where the people that, and I've always been like, basketball's our number two sport. Do you know the numbers locally tell you? It ain't even close. Baseball crushes them. Yeah. And like of the dual markets, like 14 of the 17 dual markets. And we're talking like Yankees. Uh, I think it gets a little confusing because like there are some carrier issues like with Dodgers. I know the Denver Nuggets have an issue. Yeah. So there, there are unique situations and get we're, we're kind of normal i think here we just get the games all of our teams but mm-hmm. like you just you want to watch any team in the market they play we we can find them immediately or stream them which is nice uh but that's not the case like people just aren't watching so i i, I that's just i don't have a take but yeah so two takes for me my number one takeaway was don't cry for me joe lacob i mean don't cry for joe lacob argentina uh joe's doing fine like the warriors are making a ton of money they're going to have a bounce back next year, but it turns out that their massive drop-off is just because they were freaking at the ceiling of where a reasonable team could be. I mean, they were crushing it locally, and they're still doing pretty well locally. And I do think the other thing is this, and I was thinking about this. This is kind of an offshoot of this, but um, I think it's hard to sell other teams when people don't consistently know who those other teams are. Like, I think one of the beauties of the NBA is that you don't play a series, so... On a given night, on a Tuesday and on a Thursday, you just two different superstar players can come in and play your NBA team, and that can be kind of cool. Uh, the problem is, and I think there's a fundamental problem with the NBA, and I've been saying it, I think player movement is an issue for the NBA. The other problem I identified with baseball the other day, John, I had this epiphany. I was driving. It was early morning. I was listening to uh, the MLB channel on Sirius XM, and there was this discussion about somebody's random fourth outfielder and could he be like a sneaky candidate for a breakout player this year? Yeah. I think most of us and most fans 
from what view do you like to view sports? I think most people, when they talk about sports and analyze sports, like to view sports from a GM's perspective, right? Like yep. sometimes we talk about it from a player's perspective, but by and large, we as consumers love to view it from a GM perspective, fantasy sports, all that shit. Trade talk blows up, right? Well, we do, we do that with everything. Yeah. Like this burger sucks. This clothes sucks. If I was I running this, done that. if I ran this yeah. airline, you wouldn't have to recline your seat. Right. Exactly. So how do baseball GMs think? They think analytically. Yeah, but not just analytically. They don't think about the superstar players. That's not where their focus is. Their focus is on finding the platoon outfielder from somebody else that you can rule five draft and put them in left field against righties. And Well, fuck, man. You can't talk about baseball like that and expect the average fan to want to follow along. If you think like a baseball GM when you talk about baseball, you're not talking about Mike Trout. You're not talking about Garrett Cole. You're not talking about Justin Verlander. Because my mom knows they're good. But that's not who the GMs on a daily basis are churning rosters for platoon righties. Well, yeah, that doesn't resonate with got, yeah, anybody. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, that's a problem when you talk about baseball. Now, the NBA is not quite that way, but there is just a... Like, the NBA dunk contest was awesome. But you know what was better? The end of the All-Star game when it was the 10, 10 of the greatest players. Although Kemba, I mean... You, you know, Kyle Lowry. Lowry. It, it, it was like flopping. seven of the greatest Lowry players. Lowry was entertaining. He was flopping all over the place. Can we please get Trey Young in the last five minutes? Like you tweeted, does Giannis's team not have a point guard? But yeah, I don't yeah. like the the dunk contest was great. But you, you, we need the superstars. So that's separate from the ratings, kind of. But it just gave me an opportunity to make that point about baseball that I've been wanting to make for a couple days. Um. And, and football, in, uh, just East Coast radio, guys. Just superstar. Just come on, man. Like, keep your superstars on the same teams, and that's good for the sport. I agree. Uh, Drew Brees. Yeah. I, he went on. He was like, uh, follow, I've been following on Instagram forever, and he tweeted out this picture with his wife and, like, another couple. And I was like, God, who's this other couple? And it was, like, A.J. Klein. It's, like, the linebacker on his team. Actually, I think that guy's on another team now. Don't quote me on that. But they're clearly, they must have hit it off, become friends. Well, they had gone hiking like last week on like a vacation. He had thought, like he probably saw a picture, like I can use this next week when I tweet out because he's like, sky's the limit. The rest, I don't even know what he did, what he Instagrammed, but it was just a cool pic of just kind of this cliff and the water and it just shows like, we're not done yet. Nature. I don't know. Maybe he saw some symbolism in it, but he's back, guy. He just acted like he's back. Well, Drew, you don't have a contract. Are you sure they want you back? Because he was like, hashtag who dat nation. Well, what if... Peyton was like, well, I can get Teddy for half the price. You know, he, He's pretty confident that they're just bringing him back with open arms at 41 years old, which he is Drew Brees, so I understand why he's confident. And after you see the Reggie Bush Instagram of him doing the mental reps, like, you better bring me back. See what the fucking shit I put in for the last 15 years yeah, for you guys? Yeah, He's coming. I mean, it feels like he's coming back. I mean, it, he is coming back, but he's confident he's coming back, and he returned. But there is a little domino there. Like, now Teddy Bridgewater, who reports yesterday, is going to get $30 million a year. I red flag that. What? I don't think it's going to be that strong. Come on. But, yeah, so it's Drew Brees back in the Saints. Uh, what about the tweet from uh, the uh, Denver Post reporter, beat writer, Ryan O'Halloran, that said league executive on whether it would take the Broncos to get Darius Slay a second or a third rounder and $15 million-ish per year via an extension? What do you think about that? Really good player. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't broken down much of his film. Uh, not diving into Lions all 22. Uh, did a little texting and found out he's an elite player. Better to like text a, the people who watch the film. That's more efficient. And I don't have to do the work. I, the words I got back, baller, dominant player. And 
slash the Lions are idiots. I mean, they just give away good players. That he makes ten million dollars a year right now. He wants an extension. Like he's he's one of those guys that like, you know, if you just listen to the players, like this is just the BS with the league, not letting guys get paid. Well, guys, this is his third contract. He's twenty nine. He got he got drafted, got a huge second deal, and now wants another huge deal, which he's earned and he'll get. But I think it's going to cost more than a third, guy. If he's the considered a top two or three corner in the league. And he feels less, I don't hear too often, like, Darius Slay says, fuck you to position coach, like Jalen Ramsey. Darius Slay refuses to show up to practice. Like, he's kind of been at field. Now, maybe it's just out of sight, out of mind, because they've been so shitty that a Lions fan might be like, well, he's kind of been our headache. I I don't know. I I know me personally haven't read anything or heard anything or anyone, guys I'm texting didn't say he's a pain in the ass. So if he's a high-character guy and an elite player, don't those guys usually net pretty good returns? Yeah. And he's a press corner, so it's like he's not one of those twitchy guys that needs to run. Like, he, he can run, but he's more of a long, physical guy that I think you could say, this guy could have another more three-year run where he could play 31, 32 years old. Because you're right, he's not 26. You know, he is 29 years old. That's it's not young. I'd say it's right at the sweet spot where some teams would be like, is it worth it to give up? Like, would the New England give up their 30? I'm not, they, or I guess the Chiefs. Would they give up pick 32 for him? You know, is, are you doing that with a 29-year-old? It was easy to do with Khalil. You're like, well, he's 26 at the time we're trading for him. That 29 sounds a little older when you're in a, in a, in a meeting, right? Yep. Uh, speaking of Denver reporters, I spoke with Mike Kliss, John, on Tuesday. about uh, He reported that Eric Bieniemy was the front run the favorite to take the Colorado football job. I didn't yeah. realize because I said to him, do you just assume that Eric Bieniemy is going to get a job next year? And he said, how can I assume that? He's had seven interviews and hasn't gotten a job yet. So no, he's I had don't. seven. That's he's what, had seven NFL what, interviews. That's what Chris said. Well, he'd know. So I said, well, that's, yeah, that's, if, if you're him and you've had seven interviews and no one's offered you a job, that, that is kind of crazy. Chris, a dominant little local reporter. Slash, like, TV guy. Like, he just has a foothold in this country. Like, you're talking to him. I mean, people just, I, I know his name. I think that the Colorado should hire Brett Bielma. To me, that's, I, that's I the love hire. hire. I think that adds, one, juice to the conference. Because they lost Leach, which to me, loses you lose juice with Leach. Just, he just brings a lot. that It's hard to, you know, replicate. And I think Bielma is in that realm of just needle moves. And I think when you look at his resume... I don't think you could argue if you were just last year they had hired Bielema instead of Mel Tucker, we would have been like, that's a pretty good hire. Mm-hmm. He's, he's coached at Wisconsin. He's won. He went to Arkansas, who I don't know if you've noticed, but they've ran through about three coaches since he's left, and they are a train wreck. Yeah. And he actually had made a bowl game, produced a ton of NFL players. It wasn't as bad as I think people thought. He was just held to like, it felt like a higher standard, like more like, we think we can compete with like Jimbo or Nick or or Ed Ogeron. It was like, eh, you know, winning seven games at Arkansas, you should be excited. And that wasn't good enough for him. But if he won eight, nine games at Colorado, guy, they've won ten games. Most in the last fifteen years, they've had one big time winning season, and it was ten wins three years ago. Other than that, they've hovered between five and seven. That's kind of who the program is. You win eight or nine at Colorado, and this is the problem with college programs. Like, if you went 8-4 at Colorado, then the next season you immediately think, well, next year's our 10-11. That's not the way it works. You go three straight eight-win seasons at Colorado, 
fucking Bielema should get $7 million a year. Yeah. I will say this, though. Like, having been on that campus, you've been there. They shouldn't be, you know, for, I'm just looking from 06 to 05. Sorry. From 06 to 15. They Not won six games seven, right? once. Never over And six. not only that, it was like two, six, five, three, five, three, one, four, two, four. Yeah, I'm not, the, I'm not, that's not acceptable. They should be better than that. Yes. They should go to bowl games. I think you'd feel pretty confident about going to bowl games with Brett Bielema. I think there's a huge unknown with Eric Bieniemy. He was in college basically once in the last like 15 years because he's been with Andy for seven. He was with the Vikings and Adrian Peterson for like six. That's 13. His two-year stretch at Colorado was really ugly. That you're not, It's not guaranteed to work. I actually feel better that Eric would be a better NFL head coach than I would college just because there are some – It's just it, it, you, there are rules you have to follow which sucks, which coaches hate, especially in the Pac-12. Where Bielema has proven at multiple places in conferences that are much more difficult than the Pac-12 South right now. You could say if Brett Bielema showed up in the Pac-12 South, could they win seven games next year? They might win more games than Michigan State. I don't think Michigan State's going to be very good next year. Schedule's tough. All right, on that note, any other headlines? Uh, That's about all I got. All right, time to eat. Peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.